You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. How's everybody doing? Good. It's a packed house this morning. New building come, in Jesus' name. Bigger building come. Everybody say amen. (laughs) Okay, so um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a context to what we're going to do this morning. Um, Yesterday, I was up. We did like one of those 3 a.m. get up for a flight situations where you wake your kids up and, you know, it's just going to be painful (laughs) for a few hours. So anyway, that's what happened yesterday. And so when I got back to my house in the afternoon, I had about an hour that I could take a nap. So I laid down and um, I had this dream. And in the dream, John Bevere, how many of you know John Bevere? Okay, yeah. The first book we ever read of John Bevere's was The Bait of Satan. How many of you have read The Bait of Satan? Okay, you're going to need a lot of you. That's amazing. You're going to need to just write that down, tuck that away, because that is a must-read book. Or you can probably even look it up on, on YouTube and watch him preach the whole message, which is incredible. The Bait of Satan. It's, it's, a, it's a must. So anyway, he is in the dream. Um, Bob and I do know him personally, but um, I don't believe that's why I had the dream. I, I believe I had the dream just because of um, the message that he carries with forgiveness. But anyway, he came up to me and he said, hey, do you, would you come and speak at such and such that he was having? And then Bob stepped in and said, no, she has to speak at something else. And I was like, I do? Like... Like, how cool that he asked me to speak. This is all a dream, right? So um, Bob steps in, no, you have to speak at something else. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? All of a sudden, we're walking somewhere, and I'm going to give a message somewhere. And this guy uh, that's also a minister who I don't know says to me, hey, I have a word for you. And the word is that um, you are standing outside of a prison door in someone's heart, and you're facing it with the door open and looking inside. And... I was thinking, man, you're, you're talking about my book. Cause I, you know, with wake up dead, the book that we just released here. And so he was pointing out a certain chapter of the book. And so when I woke up from that yesterday, I thought, okay, wait, what was that all about? Because you know, God does speak all the time. I mean, he's speaking not just through church. Thank God he doesn't just speak on Sunday mornings, man, that'd be scary. Um, he doesn't just speak when you pray. He's, he's always speaking. Look around. He'll speak through creation. He'll speak through dreams. It's incredible. So dreams is one of the ways that I personally love to hear from him. And so I knew I had this dream for a reason. I couldn't put it together quite, um, quite yet. And then uh, Pastor Ben called me last night and said, hey, will you preach tomorrow morning? I said, sure. He said, just, you know, on one of the chapters of your book. And I said, sure. And so I was like, what chapter should I preach on? Then a girl texts me and she just said, thank you for writing this book. And she took a picture of chapter 17. And there's a quote that says, your total freedom cannot be found apart from your total forgiveness. And I was like, okay, John Bevere, bait of Satan, prison in the heart, chapter 17. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. That's awesome. And so went refreshed myself in chapter 17 right here. And then went to bed last night. And it was one of those, <laughs> I don't know if this happens to anybody here, but I'm sleeping and then I'm, and then I'm, I'm stirred and I hear a fence. And I'm like, okay, okay, I got it. That's what we're doing tomorrow. Go back to bed. And it's just like, almost like God's like, hey, just in case you forgot. We're going to talk about fence. Like it was just like all night long until I finally got up, went to the bathroom and I was like, okay, I'm total agreement. This is what we're doing. And, and there was something in me that was like, is this really where we're at? Is this really what we're, is this really what we're doing? Like, is this really what our church needs right now is forgiveness? Haven't we been through this? Haven't we talked about this? So I was trying to catch up with what God was wanting to do. And so it just became obvious just from every direction. And then Shauna, Pastor Shauna walks up and says, hey, do you mind uh, sharing the unoffendable workshop? And I, I didn't even know it was tonight. I knew it was coming. I just lost track of when it was on the calendar. And I was like, well, of course it's tonight. So this is what we're doing. Okay. I don't, I, I had, it took me a little bit to catch up. I hope it doesn't take you that long because that's 24 hours from now. So this is what God's up to, and we're going to walk through. I, I'm just going to minister. I'm going to minister forgiveness to you. I'm going to pull up some scripture. We're going to look what God says about being uh, offended and not forgiving, and it, it, it can hide you guys. It can, it, can, it can hide, and that's why I believe that for the last 24 hours, it's just been like it, it can be hidden. Now, when somebody has completely ticked us off and it's right at the surface, we know, but and that, that's, a, that's a thing too. But really what I believe he wants to do is get rid of that low-grade 
that low grade, the thing that's under the surface, where you're like mad at your kid that you love and you die for. You know, like we're, we're, we're actually just a little bit offended even by our best friend or our pastors, that's us, um, or at the person that you would lay your life down for. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like that stuff that hides and it, and it divides, okay? So I know that you had a couple of things you wanted to say before I read these scriptures. Yeah? Okay. I, I don't, this is a message for the church right now. There's no greater destructive force in the body of Christ than an offended Christian, especially offended towards leaders, offended towards other people. What, what the natural tendency to do is we have a tendency of counseling towards that. As a result, it spreads through gossip, it spreads through backfires. Which, so as a result, it creates division. When it creates division, the body of Christ starts separating, etc. It's very, very dangerous. So I believe it's a, it's a, it's a word for right now. Um, there is no opportunity. If you feel like... Um, the reason why Pastor Shauna's workshop is so vitally important is that um, we have a, a daily opportunity to be offended. And it is an opportunity. And, and, the, and the reason why is because in the body of Christ right now, I believe that we have a very, very thin skin. Um, I, I, don't, don't misunderstand me. Um, we, are, we are called as, as followers of Jesus to have thick skin, but a soft heart. So, so we're, it's the two ditches right now. I want to stand of, uh, for, for righteousness, truth. I mean, we have, a, we have a tremendous opportunity right now to stand for truth, don't we? I mean, we see that in the world right now. I mean, I, we were just in um, uh, Las Vegas. It's our favorite place to go. <laughs> I'm just joking. I've only gone there for It's not. It just... <laughs> don't, don't judge me. But we were there, and, and we took our son to a, to a show that, you know, a, a, there's fantastic shows down there. So we took him to a show, and I just, and it was, I'm like, this is the epitome of awesomeness in Vegas, where you, you, you have to wear a mask inside, but prostitution's legal. You have to wear a mask inside, but you're allowed to smoke. I mean, it just inside. It just, you know, like, so, so I have an opportunity to stand for righteousness, but here's the other side of, of the coin is to actually um, have, have a soft heart and love no matter what. So I can, I can be on this side of the ditch and, and be ornery, or I can be on this side. And, and I'm, saying, I'm saying that I, I don't believe, I believe in this, but I also believe in this, where we basically can just smile and nod and continue walking our way and say, bless you. Bless because I can have an opportunity to have offense to my heart. Um, we, we have a, I, I mentioned a couple Sundays ago, we, we, have, a, we have a dog that we, um, we bought Christmas last year for all the kids. It was a tremendous mistake as a father. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, all, all you parents. <laughs> Okay, okay, let me talk about let me talk about this real quick. So, if some of you, <laughs> I got I, we got this golden doodle, and and we used to have a labradoodle, and and he was amazing. His name's Charlie, and and um, I still miss Charlie because Charlie was my guy. We hung out, and and because um, I have a lot of I have four daughters, so I just had a boy dog, and I have Sam, Sam, and a boy dog. So we just hung out a lot. So I got this golden doodle. It was like it kind of be nice as far as well, you know. I just don't have time to train the dog. So we're having an issue where it's my fault, but I have an opportunity to be offended, okay? So like last, the other week, Jenny was in Colorado and she took three out of our four kids that, that are at home still. And, and so for me, it was like I only had one child. So it was like I had time galore. So I was just doing, I was doing all these different things and I, uh, Esther was gone. So I took Esther's room and I gutted it and she's um, really, really disorganized. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying that not to meet her up. She's, she's, she has so many positive characteristics, but one of her characteristics is the challenge is disorganization. I don't like disorganization. So I went in a room and cleaned all our room out and I went to the, I went to Target and I didn't just buy one bedspread. I did the female thing. I about have like three bedspreads on this. And it looks absolutely beautiful. It's a, and it pillows and it's very fe- it's very female. Men judge me all you want. Just I made it look pretty basically for a girl. So um, I the whole week I spent time with Emmy because I'm believing Emmy is going to be a good dog in the name of Jesus. And and um, so I'm spending time with Emmy. Emmy's running around. I'm like, okay, great, Emmy. And she's in the garage, and, and um, so I get home, and right when they get home, Sam walks through the garage and opens the door, and Emmy runs inside, and I'm like, and I had this house completely spotless, clean, and Emmy starts running around, and as Emmy's running around, she jumps on Esther's bed that is cleaned, and, and she squats and literally pees on the bed. I kid you not. So 
I'm like looking at my dog right now, and I, and I go, the re- the, here's the reality. I have very thick skin, and Ben says I have a really hard heart, like a cast iron heart. And so you have no idea. I can, actually set, I can actually set you free and see if you can survive a cougar. That's how I feel about you right now. That's what I was like. That's what I was look, look, looking at, and I, and I literally was like, I lost, I lost my mind about this dog. And, and um, I didn't do anything. <laughs> don't, don't judge me. Some of you animal lovers are so mad at me, but I, I really don't care. But I, uh, but I grabbed Emmy, and I talked, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, Emmy. You know, and I was like, that, I joke, Jenny is like, I don't know how you sell a dog in Craigslist. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to sell this dog. This dog is done with. And, and, and it, anyways, I was so upset with this dog. She's still in the house, by the way. Um, and the reason why is because I released Emmy to the Lord. I'm like, my gosh, this dog. But, I, but I'm telling you, that's what we have in life. You, you, treat, you, you think you treat everybody in love, and then all of a sudden somebody pees on your sheets, and that gives you a license to be mad at them. But it was partially my fault. Emmy doesn't know. Emmy looked at this pink thing, and she said, that looks like a lovely place for me to relieve myself. It's nice and soft like grass. I'm going to go pee on my... And, and she's like, she's happy with it. And it was... So I had an opportunity to be offended at... And I'm saying... Are you to be offended with a dog? No. A cat or whatever the case may be. No. But, I, but, I, but I'm telling you, in, in human nature, we have an opportunity with that all the time. People will disappoint you. Leaders will disappoint you. Leaders in our government, leaders around you will continually disappoint disappoint you. But the reality with it, you're to have a little bit of a thick skin and a soft heart. And guess what? I had a soft heart. I did not um, treat my dog as target practice in the mighty name of Jesus. The, um, here's, here's, here's a ribs. <laughs> We'll get back to Jenny. We'll be. We'll get back to spiritual things. Um, but but I'm telling you, I, I I thank God in the year 2000 that I, that I received that book, The Bait of Satan, because for me in business, for me in relationships, um, it has been the most vital work of literature I've ever. Besides the Bible, obviously, but don't Jesus juke me on that one. It's been the most vital w- work of literature, and the reason why is because in leadership and in life, you have tons of opportunities. And I'm telling you, as the body of Christ, as a, as as Brothers and sisters in Christ, guess what? We are to be walking in an unoffendable life. When I was laugh, laughing at Pastor Sean when she mentioned, I was like, well, of course, because this is right exactly. We, we need this. Um, there's this, I'm going I'm to stop talking and then we're going we're gonna to have some time to minister. I, I, I will say, let me give you some practical. And I've learned this a long time ago, and this is from the bait of Satan, but, but you are to continue, if, if somebody treats you, mistreats you in your own perspective, because here's the reality, it could be false. Do you know that? Do you know that they, they can actually be right and you can be wrong? And it's like, and, and you being offended with somebody else is like you drinking poison and expecting them to die. So, so I, I can actually give you your fault. Here's here, practical. Pray for them. Pray for them. Uh, pray for your leaders. If you're offended with Biden, if you're offended with Trump, I don't care, pray for them. Pray for them that they make right decisions. Pray for them that they have fear of the Lord. Pray for them, whatever. And I'm not talking about pray for them. I pray that XYZ gets hemorrhoids. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying pray for them. Because some of you, that's what you think about prayer. I'm sorry, I'm going off the deep end now. But Okay, pray for them. And, and then also with you praying for them, speak blessings over them. Speak blessings over them. I'm telling you, will it feel right the first time? Absolutely not. But after about 50 times, if you continually pray for them, it'll start feeling right. Speak blessings on them and do good. Make it see. I'm telling you, for me, I've given, I've had a lots of opportunities to do that. But here, here's the reality: there's there's a movie um, that I watch. I love 80s movies, and I, I, I tried not to expose my kids because you forget about some of the scenes. Like you're like, hey, kids, you want to watch a really funny show? So watch Dumb and Dumber, and then you forget about a lot of scenes within Dumb and Dumber. You've been sanctified, and so you forget about things. But, and so, um, so uh, we've, we've, that, we've made that mistake. We've watched movies in the 90s, and we show our kids, and we're like, oh, we probably shouldn't have done that. And then all of a sudden, my five-year-old is starting to repeat some things. She, anyways, um, there, there's a movie in the in the in the mid '80s, that was like one of my favorite movies. I'm not talking about Red Dawn. I mean, y'all know Red Dawn. Okay, some of you older, some of you older people can relate to me. But there's a movie called War Games. You remember War Games? It was it was a movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I I probably watch it now. I'm like thinking this is my favorite movie. But I remember popping the VHS tape when I was a kid and watching War Games. And um, 
In this movie, Matthew brought, actually I shouldn't explain. It, it, the scene sets up with um, basically a, a world war scenario with a computer and a program and Matthew Broderick got in this computer program, and 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 but the but the end scene I had to look it up because I I remembered it. Um, it it's at the end where it's, it takes some place in in NORAD, which is in Colorado Springs, and uh, I should stop talking about that. But um, at the very end, they they start playing the scenario, and and this computer system starts simulating these war games of Russia versus United States. You all remember this where they start. They start blopping the nuclear bombs on each other, and, and, and then it starts going faster and faster. If some of you have not watched the movie, I'm ruining it for you now, but just bless you on this. They start blopping all these nuclear bombs on each other, and, and every scenario, whatever, however it starts, um, whether Russia starts or the United States starts, um, it just ends in complete destruction. Like this, blah, blah, blah. And, and the computer system stops playing it, and, and there's a line. It's, it says, strange game. This is what the computer says back to everybody who's watching this simulation because it, it's going to start World War. It goes, strange game. And this is what the computer says. The only winning move is to not play. How about a game of chess? So I'm, I'm saying that in, in, in this world that we're living in, the only way to win is to not play. You understand what I'm saying? So when somebody blops a nuclear bomb on your life, the only way you can win is for you to be ministered, pray, release, don't live in offense. Amen? So I'll, I'll set this up with a story really quick. So back um, several years ago, when Bob and I were in a company, um, they had a corporate team that was really great, but there was one person in particular who... I mean, I was like, I think they're after me to destroy me. Um, and, you know, it took a couple of years to just tell myself to be quiet. That's not really happening. You know, like I must be making that up until it just was real. Okay. And um, I was going to a, we were going on an incentive trip and I knew this guy was going to be there. And at this point in time, there was like massive evidence of like, there's bombs being thrown at Bob and Jenny. There is a, there, for whatever reason, there is a goal to completely take these, these two out. And it became undeniable. Like, I can't just, you know, polish this with positivity. This is really happening. And um, I remember thinking, I'm going to go on this trip, and I don't want to fake loving him. God, I really want to be able to stand in the face of my enemies and have love for them. Because that is what the Bible says. The Bible says, what credit is it to you if you only love people who love you back? Even unbelievers do that. And I'm not qualified to preach this message, by the way. I should be sitting right here, but I'm just saying what God is saying, but I'm saying it to myself because this is very, very challenging today. But that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to look him square in the eyes and have love for him, even though I knew he had hatred for me. Okay? And I knew, it was a, I, knew, I knew it was the devil. I knew it was just like he was the one that was picked to believe things that you know, take us out. So anyway, I was standing right here during, I think it was during worship. And I was talking to God going, could you, could you do that for me? Like, how am I going to do that? How's that going to be possible? And it was like the Lord was standing right here and he was on a cro he was on the cross. And he, and he said, hand me your bitterness and I'll exchange it for a boundary. And I went, okay, Number one, you're telling me I'm bitter. Like, I, I didn't even know that. I didn't know I was bitter. And then number two, you're going to hand me a boundary, which told me that I was using bitterness to protect myself from danger. And he said, that's the counterfeit boundary. And that's the one that the enemy wants you to use. So a fence is a way to put a fence up against somebody who has proven to have evil intent towards you. Or they're just doing harmful things or not nice things ignorantly, right? He said, but bitterness is what the enemy wants you to use, but I'm going to give you a boundary instead. And I thought, well, what, what, okay, so what did you hand me? I know the word boundary, but I need, I need, obviously I don't know what a boundary is if I'm using bitterness. <laughs> so educate me. What does that mean? And all of a sudden I, I just heard it so clearly. He said, I'm going to hand you love. Love is your boundary. 
And then what really made it clear for me is he showed me the Care Bear stare. <laughs> All right? He showed me a Care Bear. And do you guys remember who? Care Bear days, come on. Come on. Yep, it was on, on my... 80s, 70s people. Um, but the Care Bear stare was this like, like this light ray. And he said, if that, if love, my agapeo love, which by the way is not phileo love, it's not eris love. There's three types of love. We'll talk about that in a minute. But agapeo love is a love by your own will. I'm going to choose to love you. And he said, it's putting you on the offense. And it's like this blinding ray of love that only comes from God. It actually can't come from us. It can only come from God. Okay? And he said, that's a boundary. And I felt like it was like the force of Multnomah Falls. You want to keep somebody from hurting you? Love them with agapeo love. Phileo love is, I actually do love you. <laughs> I actually have these, these really fond feelings of you. Like I could look at, at so many people and be like, oh, yeah, I mean, just the memories and the, I mean, the times and the, you know, like I actually have phileo. I don't have to, Jenny, love, you know, I don't have to choose to love. I actually have something in my heart. Like I phileo, um, what do I phileo? I phileo chips and hummus, okay? I'm a salt girl. I, phileo is like, I actually have something in me that has a liking to. I didn't have to choose it. Agapeo love is the highest form of love, and it's the, it's the love that you choose. It's actually not a feeling. Phileo is a feeling. It's a sentiment. Agapeo is I choose. Agapeo love is what sent Jesus to the cross. He, he said, I'm going to choose to love people who don't even love me so that they can have eternal life. Phileo love wouldn't have sent him to the cross. There wasn't enough of that in him, probably. He probably, you know, he probably didn't like everybody. But he loved everybody. The agapeo love. Okay, so that's one thing. Now what I want to do is I want to read Matthew 24. If you guys could put up Matthew 24. I'm going to read 14, 1 through 14 here real quick, okay? In the Passion Translation. I didn't tell these guys, so thanks for rolling with me. So this is when Jesus prophesies the destruction of the temple. All right? I'll just start reading this. As Jesus was leaving the temple courts, his disciples came to him and pointed out the beautiful architecture of the temple. And Jesus turned to them and said, Take a good look at all these things, for I'm telling you, there will not be one stone left upon another. It will all be leveled. Later when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what sign should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age? So they're wondering, you know, Jesus, when are you coming back? Because he said he was leaving and now they just want to know how's this whole thing going to come full circle? You know, we know that Jesus is coming back. That is one thing that we know. And he said, well, we'll never, we can't know the day or the hour, but we will know the times and the seasons. So that's what he's describing here. This is the time and the season. So Jesus answered, at that time, deception will run rampant. Check that box. So beware that you are not fooled. That's a warning. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am the anointed one, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give into your fears for the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen, but it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Verse seven, nations will go to war against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how the birth pangs of the new age will begin. Verse 9, you can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all the nations because of your love for me. This isn't, we're not becoming Christians because we're going to get popular. We're going to get less popular to many people. Verse 10, then many will stop following me and fall away, which by the way, fall away means to take offense. Then many will stop following me and take offense. How many people do you know who took offense and left? 
They just left. That's what it says right here. That's, how, that's one of the signs of the ends of the times. And they will betray who? One another. And they will hate one another. That word hate right there, you know, when we think of hate, I grew up, my mom was like, hate's a very strong word. Um, hate here means, and it is a strong word, but hate here means just a lack of love. If you look at somebody and say, I don't have a problem with them. Okay, do you love them? Because hate is just a lack of love. Mm-hmm. It's actually not an aggressive feeling of hatred. It just means a lack of love. So they will betray one another and just, yeah, have a lack of love for one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin, of lawlessness, which is basically lawlessness is everybody makes up their own laws of what is right and wrong. Like, I have my own religion, I have my own compass, I have my own thing, that's lawlessness. And those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. Cold means distant from people and God. But your, but hold your hope, which means endurance, firmly to the end, and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. That's us. Providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. That means there's going to be demonstration of his reality done on earth. We will see miracles, signs, and wonders and the demonstration of power done on the earth. And after that, the end of this age will arrive. So we are in these times. And we don't want to be one of those people that he says, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And so there's a decision that's made here to love. So now let's go to 1 Corinthians, verse 13. And then I'm going to have Shehela come up here and play some keys, and we're just going to go through just a little bit of ministry before we end today. So 1 Corinthians, verse, excuse me, chapter 13, verse 1. This is love, the motivation of our lives. I love how that is titled. Love, the motivation of our lives. That's pretty strong. The motivation of our lives. Imagine waking up every day going, what's my motivation today? It is love. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and even in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, what kind of love? Agapeo love. The choosing love. The love I, I, the kind of love that I chose. I chose it. I don't necessarily feel it, but I'm choosing it by faith. My words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clinging symbol. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and by the way, in this church, we do, um, we do love the gifts of the Spirit. We do love praying in tongues. We do love prophecy. But those things are not above love. What if we, what if we were so, like, accidentally missed it? Yikes! That's what God's talking about today. We're hearing you, Lord. And if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am what? Nothing. We're like empty at that point. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. It would be for nothing. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. I'm going to, I drop down the footnotes here. When it says love is not eerily irritated, irritated means resentful, does not keep score. The Aramaic can be translated, love does not stare at evil. Love will overlook offenses and remain focused on what is good, refusing to hold resentment in our hearts. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. The word wrong can be opened up to unrighteousness or injustice. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes, up, takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. 
Love never stops loving. <laughs> I like that. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish, childish ways. So that, that's really what, what the Lord is saying today. It's like today is the day we're going to set aside our childish ways, which might be judging others, have it, holding strong opinions, being um, maybe slight towards them, maybe even gossiping. And we're going to mature. We, we need to because it's, it's the end days. This is, these are the last days that we're living in. God is he's asking us to go proclaim and preach the word of God all over the earth, all of us, not just pastors, but every single one of us in our homes, to our neighbors, to our coworkers. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Amen. Well, we could end right there, but let's, let's, let's just minister because this is, this is about choice. And I'm going to go back to that dream I had yesterday. And it was really about this activation that I do in, in chapter 17. I do want to point out that 17, the number 17 is the number of battle. It's, it's the battle number. It's like when you're in the battle, you're in the heat of battle. First Samuel 17 is when David um, hit Goliath right between the eyebrows with that, with that stone. Okay. It is the battle. It is the, and, and, and he didn't just kill a giant. He actually won a nation. He got territory. And so remember that offense and unforgiveness will stand in the territory that you can't have until it is, it is taken. Okay. And the hardest part about, uh, forgiveness is the justification piece because we know we shouldn't be angry at people if they really didn't do anything. Right. But what if they have done something just like I was talking about that man that I knew I was like, there's actual attempts to wipe us out intentional attempts and it can feel justified to have this thing in your heart. That's like this, right? But nothing we just read in first Corinthians 13 says, stand back, put the porcupine quills out, you know, protect yourself, right? We are going to be recognized by our love and love is not flimsy. Love is not, let me lay down and let you just walk all over me. Okay? There's a lot to that. But what I want you to do now is just go ahead and, just go ahead and shut your eyes. Okay? Because you're just going to go through this with the Lord. This is just going to be you and Him. It's just going to be my voice leaving, um, leading you through. God's going to bring uh, to the forefront of your mind the people who are sitting in that prison cell of your heart. Maybe you didn't even know they were in there, but it's holding them hostage, holding contempt for them, even judgment or assumption. Like you're holding a label for them. Like they are fill in the blank. Judgment, assumption, contempt, an opinion. Maybe you've just sequestered them in your mind and slapped a label on them so that you could even try to figure them out. They're just not free. Somehow in your mind, your heart, they're not free. And there's a sense of control maybe even on the inside of you to try to control how you feel about them. I'm going to read this straight from my book and then we're going to go into this activation. Just couldn't keep your eyes shut. There's only one way out of this. We need to shut the door of unforgiveness, hatred, and bitterness towards others. If you have contempt, unforgiveness, bitterness, judgment, or assumptions about others in your heart, you need to let it all go. All of it. It is the great toxic thief of the body, soul, and spirit. It steals joy, relationship, creativity, inspiration, energy, positivity, and the list goes on. If you get anything from this book, get this, you must be brave and forgive. No matter what the situation is, you must forgive to be free. If you want to be spiritually sick, hold on to the things that others have done to offend you. It will kill you. If you want to be spiritually, physically, and emotionally soaring to new heights, free as a bird, then let's do this. We're going to encounter the blood. 
The blood carries life and it carries full forgiveness. Be aware that you are going to forgive people by faith. Okay, that's really important, everybody. You cannot do it in your flesh. Your flesh cannot help you here. The flesh wants to be mad, hold grudges, protect you, and so on. It is by faith that you will release your offenders. mind's eye, I want you to think of a place you feel extremely comfortable, happy, and safe, and let yourself get comfortable there, anywhere in your imagination. Next, I want you to imagine the cross with Jesus hanging on it. Of course, you see that he is bloody and ripped to shreds. Go ahead and walk up to the cross and look into his eyes. See his love and affection for you. What do his eyes seem to be saying to you? Now in your mind's eye, take your hand and make contact with his leg. It is dripping wet with blood. Now wipe that blood from the palm of your hand. You can feel the hair on his legs. This is your Lord, your Savior, your Messiah who has surrendered to the persecution and torment because there is no other way to save you. He chose this punishment so that you could be free of it. The blood should have been yours. The beating and lashing of the metal hooks at the end of the whip should have been for you, but it was transferred to him instead. It's not everyone else's sin, it is yours. And still his eyes look at you with love. I really want you to look into his eyes. There's a love for you and a compassion for you. A choosing to love you by his own free will. He's choosing to love you. Even in our rebellion, even in our apathy for him. Now envision a prison in your heart. There are people who are locked up in there, held hostage to what they've done to you. And I want you to see Jesus hand you a key. With the blood on your hand, you freely take the key and unlock the prison doors and tell everyone to step out of the prison of your heart and mind. Begin to name them aloud one at a time telling them to step out of the prison of your heart and be free. Go ahead and just whisper if you need to, but call them by name and see them exit. Look, go of any guilt if it's somebody that you really love, like a child or a spouse or a mom or a dad or a sister. Sometimes we put our head in the sand on these ones and, and this, is, this is where we bypass the freedom we could have. Envision each one of them standing at the front of the cross facing you. Now Jesus is still hanging there watching from his place of impending death. With your bloody hand, reach out and place it on the heart of the first person. Looking in their eyes, say these words aloud. And you're just going to repeat after me. Go ahead and whisper their name. Put your hand on the next person's heart, addressing that person by name. And as many people as you need to, I'll give you a couple seconds. You might have one, two, three, four, five, six. It's okay. It doesn't matter how many there are. Now looking into every one of their eyes and with a very genuine heart and by faith, repeat these words and speak these words to them. With this blood, Jesus forgave me of all of my sins. I sinned against him and I have sinned against others. 
I have hurt Jesus and I have hurt others. But with this blood, I have been totally forgiven, completely forgiven. Jesus holds nothing against me and forgives me and cleanses me of all sin, every bit of it. I am a child of God, standing perfect in his sight because Jesus cleansed me when he forgave me. With this same blood, I choose to forgive you for all of your sins against me. I have been forgiven, so now I freely forgive. I was let out of the prison of hell, so now I let you go from the prison of my heart. I free you from all of the judgment I have held against you in my heart. I free myself from the consequences of your choices. You are not my responsibility anymore. I'm just going to pause right here and let the Lord minister that. Go ahead and just let him go. going to say a few more things so go ahead and repeat after me this is my friend Jesus he will take care of you and this situation is up to him I am free of it I will leave you here and he will decide what the consequences are he is my friend and my Lord and I trust him with my life. And just begin to thank him for every person that you see just being separate from you and in the care of Jesus, not your responsibility anymore. It isn't yours to keep or yours to manage or to control or fix. Okay, next, I just want you to see the empty prison cell in your heart. Ask Jesus to give you a tool to destroy the prison bars, the ceiling, the floor, the entire structure. He's going to hand you a tool as you begin to tear down and completely remove the prison from your heart. It might be a blowtorch, it might be a hammer, it might be an earthquake, and it just crumbles everything. Just let, just let him show you what he's doing with that prison. We don't want to keep that prison in our heart waiting for the next person who offends us. I really felt that strong for today. Maybe you've forgiven a lot of people, but there's just a prison that still waits for the next person who's just going to mess with you. I just want you to put your hand up in the air. Keep your eyes closed, but put your hand up in the air as you see the prison like disappear or get shattered or destroyed. Just hold your hand up in the air. Okay. A couple more seconds. Okay, now that it's gone, this is a really cool part. Ask the Holy Spirit for a replacement. Holy Spirit, what do you want to put in place of that prison? What gift do you have for me that will occupy that space in my heart? Now let him show you what was meant to be there and what is there now. It's beautiful. 
in my own heart, I'm seeing like a living room where there's couches and a coffee table. And I'm sitting and getting to know people that I don't have phileo for. <laughs> but I'm choosing to lean in and ask more questions, almost like what Pastor Brandt did this morning, like let's turn and get to know people and lean into people a little bit that we don't have a natural affection for. So I, I see these comfortable couches and I see like conversation and exploring who God created in that person and choosing to get to know somebody and getting to know their story and getting to know why there might be pain, why the hurt is there. Does anybody want to share what they saw? Replaced? I'm kind of interested. Just say it out. A place where people can find restoration. What about you, Patty? A hospital. That's awesome. A garden. It's beautiful. Swimming pool. That's cool. Families. Unity with families. That's amazing. Creativity. You, you start realizing what the enemy was trying to steal. You know, when you, when you do this. And by the way, this just wasn't with your imagination. This is, this is really happening. You know, there's a whole world that we see, and then there's a world that's more real than this one. We're gonna do one more thing. So my daughter Esther, I don't know if she's in here anywhere, um, she had her ears being plugged one in particular on and off for a couple months and just causing a whole lot of pain. And we prayed and it would pop and then it would come back and it would plug and all this. And then I just got interested. What does this mean spiritually? What's going on here? Because a lot of times the body will take on what the spirit and the soul is doing. We're three in one. And just after a little bit of reading and praying, um, what it came down to was the ear closing because it doesn't want to hear any type of um, hurt. And the ear plugging can mean strife in the family. How many of you know teenagers can fight? <laughs> okay, as parents, there's got to be a helpline or something. Help me, Jesus. So we've been dealing with, you know, we have two teenagers that are both going through that time of life where it's like, everybody's right, except for everybody, just them. And so I brought this to Esther's attention when we were in Colorado rally and I just said, I'm done with this. And I know your ear is doing that because you and your brother are fighting and I'm done with the fighting. I'm absolutely done with it. Like done, done. And I made the emotional case for sure. I had to be me, like that mom, the one that's like, okay, this mom, you go sit down, I'm gonna take care of business right now. Because the enemy was taking advantage of the discord. And come to find out, Sam's ear had been plugged. Well, at the same time, my ear had been plugged. I'd gotten water in it, but it was still plugged. And so anyway, um, we prayed with Esther and Sam to forgive each other and their ears popped open. And then last night, I didn't tell Tiffany and Jeremy this, but Mason's ear was plugged. And so they came downstairs from um, upstairs and said, hey, we just prayed for Mason, her ear's been plugged. And of course I'm paying attention to this. I'm like, yeah, okay, what is happening right now? And um, they prayed for her and Esther, only knowing to do what was done for her, <laughs> just said, do you need to forgive your brother? Um, and she forgave her brother and her ear popped open. And so I just couldn't help but think of that this morning with the forgiveness, you know, but the body will start doing things to go, you know, but I woke up at 4.30 this morning and uh, I, I couldn't sleep and I know that it's time to pray. And when I got up, my ear, my right ear was plugged. So I knew that this morning I wanted to pray um, 
And I talked to Esther about this on the way on the way here, and she said, Mom, pray for people's ears that are plugged, but pray for people who just have a lot of like clashing at home. You know, it's just, and it doesn't have to be huge, abusive, crazy stuff. It's just discord. It's anything that's not like, you know, we're not dancing together. We're, we're, you know, kind of banging into each other a little bit. That can happen, but I'm feeling it in the airways. And if it's happening in my family, I know that's probably happening in others. Um, and for some of you, maybe not. But I just know that we are in a war and unity is where the blessing is. Unity commands the blessing. That's why it's so hard to get to. And that's why the enemy fights unity so much. And so if our prayer team could come up here, um, leaders stand up here and, pr and pray, because I'm gonna have you guys come forward. If, you're, um, if your ears are plugged, why don't you guys come up first? Anybody that has one or both ears that have been giving you any problems, I want you to come forward. I'm gonna pray for you um, and have these leaders pray for you guys. We had two people that were um, almost completely, completely deaf in Colorado that both their ears opened and they got rid of their hearing aids. So um, what, what we're going to do is we're just going to forgive. One of the gals when we were in Chicago who got her hearing back, I saw, I can't remember if it was three or four generations before her, but it was a generational deliverance. And I saw somebody, a female with her hands over her ears while she was listening to major abuse in another room of her parents. And generationally, this had just gone down into hearing. So sometimes we're carrying stuff that didn't even happen in our lifetime, but it happened before, you know, there's these spiritual generational things that can happen. By a raise of hands, is there anybody whose ears, I guess you guys have come up here, anybody whose ears have been plugged or you've had water trapped in it or, okay, why don't you guys come forward, let these guys pray for you. Um, and we're just going to believe the ears are going to open right now, letting go of anybody, anybody who has hurt you. Uh, abuse even years and years and years and years ago okay it doesn't have to be recent or it can be recent so father God let's just all all pray together for our family that are up here right now because what what a loss of hearing does is it separates us from people it separates us from God and it also plugs up our our spiritual ears so father we just thank you in Jesus name I just declare every ear open in Jesus name every ear open right now in Jesus name in Jesus name every ear open right now in the name of Jesus open forgive let go forgive yourself Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.